You've heard of Inc. Magazine. There was an article in there about some neuroscientists who had measured some brain activity when faced with various stimuli, including gripe sessions. The news isn't good about it. The article was titled, Listening to Complainers is Bad for Your Brain, and I quote, being exposed to too much complaining can actually make you dumb. Research shows that exposure to 30 minutes or more of negativity, including viewing such material on TV, actually peels away neurons in the brain's hippocampus, end quote. That's part of the brain that you need for you know, problem solving. So basically, too much complaining turns your brain to mush. That's the point. I think most of us here would recognize that life is a mixed bag of blessing and, and trials. And I suppose it's a little hyperbole to say that complaining turns your brain to mush. Otherwise, all of our brains would be nothing but mush because we've all complained, right? But there is something to be said about a steady diet of complaining. And in lieu of this, and in lieu of looking back on the past year, you look at the pattern in some lives of some of the chief saints in the scripture, and you see something that does not match up with what the Inc. magazine said. Key figures that would give thankfulness deliberately to the Lord. David, for instance, spent considerable time praying, worshiping with the Israelites as a way to lead people to honor God. Uh, Joshua gave praise to God for the you know, miraculous um, entering into the promised land. Nehemiah gathered together a choir on top of the walls of Jerusalem as a way to publicly praise God in this antiphonal chorus. So there was this public, deliberate, intentional thankfulness that these men gave to God. This was something that was done as a group, corporately. We see the temple servants in the Old Testament being used to do this in 2 Chronicles 16.4. He appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord even to celebrate and to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. So there were people employed to lead the people of God in thankfulness. Wouldn't it be nice with all the coaching that's going on for our bodies, all the people we go to to get our bodies in shape, we need to hire somebody to come to our door every week, every day, to encourage us to be thankful. What are you being thankful for today? Let me lead you in a chorus today, all right? It sounds weird, but this is essentially what the people of God were doing. So not only did the people of God take time after significant events to honor God, but there was this ritual of thanking God at regular meeting times. You know, when you speak of ritual and tradition, it's, it, it's getting such a bad rap today. You know, if it's not new, it's not good today, right? And, you know, if it's not cool, it's not good. I don't know. Uh, I, I think there are some things we need to have with regularity in our life. It may even seem boring at the time, but it feeds our souls. Uh, that's certainly what thankfulness got, uh, does. And I would suggest that in doing that, we contribute to spiritual and mental health uh, when we're encouraged and thankful uh, to the Lord. And we do this publicly as a church. So 
I don't think I have to prove this point. I, I think you'll agree with me that, that we have a choice in the matter. Whether we are life complainers or thankful people, encouragers. And we know there's great benefit to this. Isaiah 35.3 says to encourage the exhausted, strengthen the feeble. Don't be the guy who sucks the energy out of the room by complaining. But those who are downcast, encourage them, right? Strengthen the feeble, the weak. Here's our passage that I want to jump off of and we'll make a few comments about. It's in 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstance, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Well, rejoice means to be glad. Uh, the, the root word of that is consistent with the root word of grace and forgiveness. That's interesting. But we could maybe say it this way. Only when one acknowledges the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, can rejoicing take place. Now, let me tell you what it is not. It is not putting on a fake Christian smile. It's not parroting some Christian phrase all the time. No. This is, this is an, an inward joy that transcends circumstances. All right, it doesn't mean you have to have a type A personality. No, it does, that's not what we're striving for. It speaks of the joy that John talked about in John 16, 22, that no man can take away. All right? But it begs the question, why should I be rejoicing at all times? What are the reasons? Is it because God is always answering my prayer? No, because I'd have to say he doesn't always answer in the affirmative. Is it because things go easier with God? Uh, no, there are trials who come uh, and knock on our door, enter in. We have it in our home. We have it in the church. We have it in the country. There are trials. There are hardships. Why can we rejoice at all times? Let me give you a few reasons, okay? You can write these down. Uh, I'll give you the point, and then the scripture will talk about each here a little bit. First of all, it says to rejoice in the Lord. That's kind of foundational. Uh, that's in Philippians 3.1. And then in uh, Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This is where rejoicing begins and ends right? That God is who he said he is, right? That he exists, that he is faithful, that he continues in his character being who he is regardless of what the circumstances are. Does God change even when life sucks? No. God continues to be who he said he is, and like I said, he is faithful. And we recognize that he continues to work as well. So rejoice in the Lord. Next, rejoice because of our hope. Romans 12, 12 says, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope. So I can rejoice in the past, and I can rejoice that my future is secure in him. His promises are good. Rejoice when Christ is preached, Philippians 1.18. Paul is commenting on those who preach Christ out of selfish ambition and says, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. 
I'm asked often, what do you think of this preacher? What do you think of this church? What do you think of that? Is Christ preached? Then I need to rejoice in that. There are things that maybe I disagree with, maybe things I don't like. You know, it's not my fancy, but is Christ preached? As long as that takes place, the gospel's given, the word of God is believed, then, you know, I'm good. So rejoice when Christ is preached. Next, we rejoice when sacrifice is made for others. Philippians 2 says, but even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice of service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. A trip early in the year to Beirut convinced me of this truth when I saw young couples, young singles, men and women, who were dealing with Syrian refugees who are in one of the worst sections of the world the plight of these people is just unimaginable. We haven't seen anything like it here in our country. And hundreds of thousands of people that are in desperate need. And here are these American couples who, many of them left really good paying jobs to come and be with these Syrians. And I was just blown away. I'm just like, wow, you guys get it. That doesn't mean God wants us all to move to a foreign country but he does want us all to sacrifice. And that can mean different things to different people. It was very impressive and a cause for rejoicing that there are people that are giving their lives for the gospel, doing stuff like that. You rejoice over new converts. Barnabas shares with the church at Antioch how God had been working and says, when you've come and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. And so uh, here the Gentiles will rejoice that they too were brought into God's plan for salvation. And we have some of our children come to Christ, adults this year that have come to Christ as a result of this ministry. We rejoice in that. Rejoice when others walk in the truth. Romans 16, 19, the report of your obedience has reached to all. Therefore, I am rejoicing over you. 2 Corinthians 7, I rejoice that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. Second John 4, I am rejoicing that my children walk in the truth. I was talking with somebody recently about, you know, when your kids move away and how hard that is, and your kids get married, and, uh, you know, they might spend time with other family or move out of the city. All, that's, all that can be difficult, but can you rejoice that they're walking in truth? then, boy, that, that's all I really care about with my kids. Not the only thing, but that's chief among it, all those things. They can maybe not be rich, but do they walk in the truth? I'll take that any day of the week. So we rejoice when others walk in the truth. Rejoice when you receive instruction. Acts 15, 31, when the early church elders convened in Jerusalem and wrote about the church at Antioch, the problem of eating meat to idols and circumcision being required. When they wrote that letter to the ch from the Church of Jerusalem, it says that they read it and rejoiced. So, you know, we're, we were confused about what to do. The word of God spoke, and we rejoice in that. Here's another one. Rejoice when you're depressed because God is near, 2 Corinthians 7, 7. But God who comforts the depressed is referring to those who, missing those he loved at Corinth, and after Timothy brought a a good report after visiting the church, Paul said, I rejoiced. And then rejoice when you're weak. 2 Corinthians 13, 9, 
that sometimes when you go through an issue, others can profit. Somebody I was talking to recently, going through a difficult time, and I was just like, you know, why, why am I going through this? I said, well, first of all, ask this. What maybe is God wanting you to share with other people? What maybe is a lesson that you can give to others through this situation? And, and sometimes that can really change our perspective in going through a situation. Um, or maybe it's just the fact that I'm just weak and feeble about entering into a certain area, but I realize that God's strength takes over. When I'm weak, then I'm what? Strong. So I realize in and of myself, I can't do this, but I need the Lord's strength. I want you to notice just a list of some of these reasons that continue to go on regardless of whether you got the check in the mail, regardless of whether you got the new job or not. These are things that are true, that you can rejoice in at all times. Rejoice evermore. We don't experience joy and we don't rejoice by denying hardship, by putting on a plastic smile, by having to fake it. And when somebody asks you, how you doing? You say, fine. No. Who wants fake, right? But we remember God's goodness in the face of that, that he continues to work in the midst of the hardship. So getting back to our passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, it, it talked about without ceasing, consistently respond to God, pray without ceasing. Four times in the New Testament, this word is used. If I had a, a, a cough that wasn't ceasing, that would mean that it's, it's, I'm responding with a cough at all times. It doesn't mean you don't accomplish anything else. It just means that the cough is so frequent it follows you wherever you're at, right? So it is with praying without ceasing. We're responding to God with every opportunity, giving it to him, praying without ceasing. This makes the relationship with God far more meaningful and less mechanical, is that I'm allowing him to enter in on all situations. Often when I go for a counseling session, or I'm driving to church, I'm just asking God, Lord, I need your help here. I need you to give me the words, blah, whatever it is you're, you're asking, needing. And he's there in the moment. Or maybe you have a tough conversation with your spouse or, or with a friend, and you're, you're praying and asking God for help. You're praying without ceasing. Next, you use every occasion to express gratitude to God. Be thankful for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ. You say, well, you know, I just don't know what God's will in my life is. Well, I can start with this. Are you giving God thanks? Because that's his will for you. I know that. And it's because of the provision of Jesus Christ, because of the gospel, I can be thankful. We look at the past couple years, and there's so many things that many Christians don't like. I don't need to get into the list. But let me ask you this. Have you used it as an opportunity to be thankful? See, there's a uniqueness of being in Jesus Christ because we're in reasons to rejoice. Being rejoicing speaks of an attitude and, and, and perspective that's expressed in a variety of ways and then being thankful. And most of the times when that word thanks is given in the scripture, it talks about prayer. We're thanking 
God for these things, all right? We give thanks to God, the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ, Colossians says. Ephesians 5.20, always giving thanks for all the things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Let me ask you this. In any circumstance that you're in, any hardship, does God change? Of course not. No. So I can thank God in any circumstance, right? It isn't so much for the circumstance. Hey, God, thank you that I lost my temper. I appreciate that, all right? No, but I'm thanking him that he still loves me even when I lost my temper. There are reasons to be thankful. Uh, so I am, I am choosing to see God's love for me and his grace can stay with me in any circumstance. Next, do nothing to hinder the Holy Spirit's work in my life. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, talks about quenching the Holy Spirit. It means to extinguish. The same word is used of putting out a lamp in Matthew 25. Okay? Now, in the New Testament, there are, uh, it talks about resisting the Holy Spirit, grieving the Holy Spirit, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, which I think is something Christians don't do, but non-Christians. Uh, but we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And so when we grieve the Holy Spirit, that means we have quenched. When we quench the Holy Spirit, he is grieved. That's his response to our quenching. How do we do that? Well, we do that, I think, just by the, the tenor of this passage, uh, when we're not giving thanks. We have all this opportunity to give God thanks, and what are we doing? We're complaining. We're complaining about you know this or that all the time. You know, have you heard this? Have you heard that? Instead, we need to put our attention upon the Lord. That doesn't mean you can't communicate bad news, but always within the context of the goodness of God, right? But there are people who get in a rut and people who think that God does not love them. I'm talking about Christians. And they'll say, well, I just don't think God loves me. That's quenching the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is always affirming, his work is always to affirm who God is, and that we're crying out, Abba, Father. We have these terms of endearment that the Spirit gives to us. So to say, the Holy Spirit, does, God does not love me, is to grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that we may feel that, okay? And sometimes we need reassurance, and God is open about that. But you can't stay in that spot. Now, there's a great need here, because you're talking about quenching the Spirit. There's a lot of talk about this, and I've listened to numerous sermons and read commentaries and listened to people, and I get, I get a little um, excitable about this. And part of it comes from maybe a certain denominational slant. Part of it comes from my own background. Part of it I didn't like. But especially when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, People have all these ideas about what they think that that means. And, and I think it's unfortunate that we allow maybe all of a past denominational slant to enter in on this and not be open to the Spirit's work in our life. Okay? My point in this is this. I am not going to relegate the Spirit's work related to one or two spiritual gifts. Do I have to spell it out anymore? Okay. I'm not denying those spiritual gifts. I'm saying the Spirit of God is doing 90% other stuff over here, like helping me endure, 
through a hardship, like, like maybe helping me in a troubled marriage, like maybe forgiving somebody, like uh, maybe being thankful. And, and these are ways, or maybe when I'm, when I'm sick and on my deathbed, I'm still praising God. That to me is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And to take the, you know, the energy of, you know, the majority of the Christian life is in this gift to show that I've been baptized in the Spirit is, I think, doing an injustice to the Christian life and injustice to the Word of God. I'm not saying anything for or against baptism. I'm just saying that's not where all the work of the Spirit lies. That's all I'm saying. You've got all this over here in terms of how we live our life. And I see some spouses really trying to love a jerky spouse. And I'm saying that is supernatural. That is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, don't look at your spouse and say, you know what? God is filling me. But you know what I'm saying, right? And we all go through seasons like that. Or maybe forgiving somebody who's really hurt you. And it's really hard. But that's the filling of the Holy Spirit. So all I'm saying is let's open up and look at the whole of Scripture and see how God has worked in people. In these instances, that's the Spirit's work. So I don't want to quench any of that or downgrade that. I don't want to downgrade the gifts I just don't want to elevate that experience to 90% of my Christian life. That's all I'm saying, all right? So apparently there are specific ways to quench the Holy Spirit, and it says we do this by despising prophecy or downgrading the proclamation of the Word of God. I suppose a lot can be said about this, and honestly, I'm not sure I'm going to go over even all the stuff that I prepared for this. But let me, let me just say a few words about this. They're kind of on my heart. Well, first let me say this. That we have wonderful ministers of the gospel in our town that preach the word of God. Not in maybe my particular slant or denomination, but they preach the word of God, and I am thankful for that. I'm not saying we have the corner on the market. I'm certainly not saying that at all. But there are others who have taken it upon themselves to denigrate the Bible to denigrate the Word of God, particularly the Old Testament, saying the Old Testament is not, it has no use for us today. It's by, it's some mean-spirited people who created the Old Testament. And, and yet, it's the Old Testament, in truth, that points to Christ. And these same people want to elevate Christ and say, I just believe in Christ and his words and his way, and get rid of the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament gave the context for the coming of Christ, the reason for the coming of Christ. It's like having a kid take a coloring book with crayons and then rip the coloring book away from them. They are just color on the table. No lines, no figures. But the Old Testament is what created the lines, the context to see who Christ is, Right? And then some of these same people will denigrate parts of the New Testament they didn't like, particularly stuff about roles in marriage or men and women or a host of other things. All they want is a contrived view of Christ that is more of an oprah kumbaya view of Christ, okay? 
Oprophyte is in the Greek. Look it up. <laughs> but it, it pains me to see people I know and people I love who are swallowed in this ideology and, and with self-congratulatory terms, they're going to see themselves as tolerant people who accept things that the Bible condemns. And it's heartbreaking. And in the end, um, it's like, what Bible do you believe? Because it's not the one I read. And actually, they don't believe the Bible. But yet they call themselves Christians and followers of Christ. They're unrecognizable. And it's heartbreaking. So when I look at despising prophecy, that's essentially what it means, is you're despising the Word of God. You are denigrating the Word of God. I never want to be in that position. Here, here's another way I see it, is there, it's kind of this movement now, and it's not just now, but I've heard it recently, and Janet and I heard one recently, where they denigrated the verse-by-verse expository preaching of the Word of God. If I told you the person's name, you would know them. Well-known minister of the gospel. I mean, I, I like this guy. Just didn't like what he had to say. And basically the idea was verse-by-verse expository preaching is boring and it doesn't relate to people where they're at. So that's like saying, you know what? Sunday morning, just serve cake. Don't serve real food or meat. And let me tell you something. Thousands of people will show up to eat cake. And that doesn't mean that every large church is eating cake. I'm just saying those who denigrate the word of God in the sense of calling verse-by-verse expository preaching unnecessary, irrelevant. Dude, that's like you're calling my wife ugly. And I'm not going to take that. Okay? I'm going to stand up against that, all right? Those are fighting words. And so be careful here in terms of how we are honoring the Word of God. Now, why is this important? When I denigrate the Word of God and I want to throw out sections of the Word of God, then how about these sections about giving thanks, rejoicing always? Ah, that was some Bible time stuff. I didn't hear that. I think a little complaining I need. That's realistic. I'm just a realistic person. Right? So what you're doing is in your ideological makeup, you're saying this really doesn't apply to me. And that's where it gets you. And what I'm saying is the whole counsel of the word of God is needed for us. And that includes these challenges. Rejoicing always, that's hard. But I'm saying, if, if we look at what the Word of God is saying, it's, it's not, not just hard, it's life-giving. And I'm thankful that um, the Word of God is that for us. So what I'd like to do is talk about how we can be thankful, and particularly here at CCC, when we talk about being thankful for 2021. In fact, Maybe you could do this, and, and, and I might give you an opportunity here later to do this. You got a piece of paper in front of you, or maybe you can put it on your notes or section of your phone, all right? Write yourself an email. What are things you're thankful for in 2021? Ways that you've seen God work, ways that you've recognized 
the character of God. Write some things down. Okay, so we're thankful to God here at CCC for several things. Number one, for the people that have come to Christ. Uh, adults that have come to Christ here this past year that have been baptized, children the same. I'm thankful for that. They've been through the launch class, the newcomers, luncheon. Uh, those are reasons to rejoice, and I'm really, really thankful for that. As I've mentioned earlier, I was able to visit Lebanon this year. Uh, not the town about an hour from us, but the country. And uh, went with one of our missionaries, Keith Rasher, who's been a longtime friend and one of our missionaries. And Lebanon was one of our Advent projects. A couple years ago, we gave to buy, I want to say sonogram machine. There's another name for it, but I think you know. Well, ultrasound, thank you. Um, in fact, could you just give the rest of the sermon? It'd probably be a lot better, all right? <laughs> People would know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> and bought it for the Syrian refugees. And, and so we, we've had this connection with the team there, and uh, you raised, just we're so generous in raising the money to buy that, and it's there. People are being trained to, to make use of it. But in talking to Keith after being there uh, earlier in the year, he talked about how the, the team has really made some changes. They're really as healthy as they've ever been. They have three different teams, medical team, an educational team, and kind of a life skills team. Met up with one, the, the head missionary there that's, that's, that's living there, Wes and Amy Black, and they're now on our missions team here at the church, which I'm really excited about. There are people who are literally dying, needing this help, who are so hopeless, and you have these teams giving them hope and, uh, and by the way, one of the things that they really appreciated was water filters I brought over to them. And, they, and we sent, I think you know about this, we sent like another 50 of them um, over to them this year. And that is just literally life-giving to these folks. So you're making a palpable difference. I'm really thankful for that. Really thankful for the ministry there and that, that, that we could play a part in that. So let's talk about locally here. Uh, one of the other ways that you've made a difference, and I'm really thankful for the way God has worked, is through our serve day. This is where we didn't go to church, the church building, but we gathered together to work in uh, North Springfield with, some, with Elevate Lives and helping to improve some homes, get homes ready for people to, to live in. We had a lot of people that came and showed up for that, Russ Goslin, who heads up this ministry, told me recently, in his words, that this was an amazing help. One house had a significant cleanup, helped spruce up the neighborhood. The Elevate Lives warehouse was organized, and it's saving them money and in finding in inventory and working more efficiently. Two other homes were demoed, and construction has begun. They're hoping to get one of these done at the end of this month. Um, it didn't just end with the serve day. A couple of our life groups have shown up in addition to help with some of this further work, which I just love. Families are being interviewed to, you know, they don't just anytime Dick and Harry show up and you can live in the home. You have to be interviewed to live in one of these homes. Uh, in talking to, to Russ, he was speaking of uh, several families. He said all of these families are either formerly in jail, been addicted to something, has suffered from abuse, they've been homeless, 
and then now they're being trained in life skills and we're moving them to where they can obtain their own home and care for their own home. How cool is that? With people that have been homeless and now they're being trained in, in how to care for these things. And you guys have played a part in that with the serve day and with the, the, the training. I'm so grateful to God that he helps us to be involved in these ministries on the ground floor. I met, I met Russ years ago in working with Convoy of Hope and trying to get the churches of Springfield together. And he and I worked together, got to know him, and then he started this ministry. And it's just cool to see what God has done. So uh, I'm thankful to God for Elevate Lives for Serve Day. Uh, this year also, we enjoyed having some of the outdoor services. Some of that was kind of COVID-related. Other was just because we wanted to get together with other churches. And so we had an, a good Friday service with fresh water, Jefferson Avenue Baptist Church. And what a wonderful time we had together. We hope to get our stage done in 2022. Again, let me remind you, we're still on course with our Yes Project. You haven't heard much about it because we're still waiting for the architect to finish the drawings. It's been months in the waiting. There's just a backup there. So when we get that back, we'll have some more to report. But we're still on board with it. We're just waiting uh, to get that and then to, to move ahead. But we're thankful for those outdoor services and the unity displayed with those churches meeting together. One of the other things is staff changes that have taken place. Let, let me just start by saying this, that this has been a great joy of mine to work with our present staff and with uh, those that were with us last year but can't be with us this year. Um, one of our new staff members told me recently that they were really concerned about coming on staff because they've heard horror stories of, you know, when you come on staff at a church and you see how the sausage is made, it's like, oh, this, this really reeks because I really don't like working with these people. And, you know, this guy's a jerk. Well, he, he said, we just love working here. And we love working with our staff. And, and what a joy that is uh, to know that the relationships matter. How we go about our business is very, very important to us. And it has to reflect the kind of business we do in terms of gospel work and, and relationships. So let me just say that about our staff and what a joy they are to work with. But this year we've seen a couple new staff per people. Um, a new associate pastor in Joel Butler, new youth directors with, with Luke and Dana. Uh, Jacob Baldwin has helped us with our uh, worship ministry, uh, worship arts ministry. What a great addition these people have been to us. I thank God for our team. They are a pleasure to work with. And be sure to thank them too, okay? Um, also, I remember a conversation Laura and I had in the spring of uh, last year. She said, hey, you know, people are wanting to do VBS. And I said, we got to start the previous year planning for VBS. I don't think we have enough time to pull off VBS. And I was kind of the naysayer. She goes, no, I think we got people that can pull it off. And I go, All right, if you say so, I'll trust you. And sure enough, they pulled it off, and it was amazing. Christina Gann and her crew put it together. And uh, her and Laura worked hard. And despite all the challenges, it was a wonderful experience. Thankful to God for that. If you've never been inside what goes on during a VBS, uh, you have no clue of the amount of work it takes. And the energy is just so cool. 
So thankful for the VBS. Harvest Fest. Just a couple months ago, we enjoyed our, our Harvest Fest. I'll remember it for this. We prayed for God to not allow the rain to come and the storm to come and for us to get through Harvest Fest, okay? And um, the whole group praying together. This was the view when the Harvest Fest ended and they were cleaning up. And there was no rain. Uh, I just thank God for that. That was pretty cool. So, and besides Luke and Dana doing a great job of organizing it, I just thought it was a, a wonderful, wonderful event. Okay, last then is our Advent. As you know, during the week of, or the month of Advent, uh, we asked for $20,000 to go towards the orphanage in Bolivia with Love in Action. That would go towards the infill of a cafe and bakery that would help to sustain the orphanage. And uh, we've had a long-term relationship with Love in Action. We asked for 20, and as of last week, we had short of $9,000. As of today, God has provided $33,000. I don't know why you people want to put me on the precipice. I feel like I'm on <laughs> diving into the ocean on one of those boards, like, we're not going to make it, we're not going to make it. And then the last week, it's like, bam. It's amazing, and I'm just thankful to God for his provision. Let me tell you, there was one happy camper in Gary Zimmerman last night when I called him and told him about the, the gift. They're just on cloud nine. So that's the Lord's doing. You can't, you can't do that yourself. Uh, you can lay out the need and ask God's people to go to the Lord, and this is what he produces. And so um, that includes all the work this past year, all the ministry that has taken place, this is just part of it. Um, and why does it take place? Well, it's because we're united around the gospel, and I'm thankful for all of you here that get it. Despite all the things that are dividing the body of Christ, right? I don't need to recall all of the things that have divided the body of Christ politically, medically and every which way, but that we can come together and be united around the gospel to accomplish something much greater than what any individual can do. And this is what God has done with us. So I am thankful for you in, in wanting to do that.